Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Excited to have you back with us today. And we are so excited about our guest, Sherry. And I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a minute, but I wanted to say welcome, Sherry, to our show. Thank you so much, Ed. I'm super excited and honored to be here. So this is an extra special show because not only do we have Sherry, but today actually marks the day of her book being released. And so we want to really talk about the Chief Digital Officer and mobile medicine. So super stoked to go that direction. And so, Sydney, I just wanted to ask you really quick, if you were to write a book, what would you write about? That's a good question, Ed. I don't know if I would ever be able to actually write a book, but I will tell you the kind of books that interest me the most and that I enjoy reading the most. They're usually um, self-help books because I find them really just widely helpful. And um, I like the ones that mainly relate mostly to real life experiences of the author. Yeah, that's cool. And you're going to love what Sherry has to share about her book because it is a transformational game changer for the industry in terms of where we are and where we need to go with mobile medicine. So Sherry, the standard question we ask everyone, your favorite music. I, oh, I can't get wait, wait to get into that, but I do want to mention to Sydney that I think you will love the book because it's, it's like a giant self-help for anybody who's really passionate about healthcare IT and advanced technologies from, from real people with real experiences and challenges building, you know, all the related components. So I hope that you'll enjoy it. I love that. Can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, so my favorite individual musician has to be Sarah Bareilles. Uh, not just because, you know, we're the same generation, but she's super talented. She's a vocalist. She's a guitar player. Uh, but even more than that, I really love the way that she treats all of her performers. So, you know, she's got a team around her um, and as well as her opening acts. So she's so respectful. Um, she sincerely acknowledges everyone. And, and I just really love that about her. She is the complete opposite of a diva. I'm um, just really down to earth really secure. Uh, and so you may, uh, some of her songs have been top hits. Uh, probably the most popular one was Love Song. Uh, but my favorite is Brave, because I think that bravery and courage is, is the cornerstone from which, you know, everything has to flow from there. Right. Uh, and, then, and then I just, I also have to mention that she's not just a singer, a songwriter, and uh, a guitarist, but she's also a highly accomplished uh, actress, and, as well as an author. So, you know, like a real underachiever. <laughs> kind of like you, Sherry. So really looking forward to digging a bit into your story. So tell us about your life mantra or something about you, you know, that what, what you're passionate about. So what I'm passionate about, um, so probably two sets of words. And the first is uh, teamwork makes dreams work uh, everywhere, uh, whether that's at home, at work. Uh, even with fun, you know, when you're thinking about uh, trips or dinners, it's like all of that is all about making the team work, uh, you know, work. Uh, and then the second thing that I'm inspired about is is just building transformative leaders. And I think that that's a lot of what we're talking about today. 
Yeah, and so I'm purposely going to keep your introduction high level, but let you tell your story. But you're an amazing, I call someone like you sort of a renaissance leader. You're a CEO of a company. Uh, you're a board member. You're an advisor. You're a speaker. I know you mentor a lot of people. I follow you extensively on LinkedIn and what you do in terms of the amount of education that you put out and and all the networking sort of things to helping other people uh, is pretty amazing. So I just love that about you. I remember the first time that we met, uh, your passion, the things that you are really strong in just really exuded out of you. I recall it was in Denver, Colorado, 2015. And we had some time together just talking about what needs to happen in terms of healthcare and transformation. And I, I could just, it would, I could just see it in you, the, all the, again, the passion and the vision. And I, I was like, I need to like stay close to this person because I can learn a lot from her. So with that, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story. I know you have a little bit of a unique story that would be interesting to our audience. And then we'll, we'll get more into the book that you have coming out. Well, you're you're so kind, uh, to, you know, to to be open to me and and to be open to you know developing you know an ongoing um, in, interaction and relationship. And you, you even let me you know kind of bug you about some of the things that I was passionate about, you know, with mobile security and things like that. And, and I I really appreciate that about you. And I th I think you know that I was adopted as a homeless orphan uh, to Silicon Valley from South Korea at the age of four. <clears throat> so that's really you know changing fortunes. Um, I'm super grateful for that every day. Um, but it wasn't all about just the beauty of the orchards at the time, because back, back then we had a lot more uh, agriculture than we do now. But my adopted mom ended up disabled, you know, both physically and mentally by the time I was 11. And in Silicon Valley, um, it's a place that at the time started to become, you know, the fiercely competitive environment um, that the Silicon Valley high schools are today. So, you you know, you are uh, supposed to get uh, great grades, uh, play multiple varsity sports, you know, find time to to excel in clubs. You're supposed to, like, you know, look decent while doing all this. Uh, it's just an incredible fishbowl, right, for a child or a teenager. Um, so at the same time, I got a lot of experience as a caregiver uh, and exposure to the healthcare system. Um, but that time, um, as challenging as it was, really gave me the gift of my driving passion for healthcare. Um, so I, I lived a paradox, uh, really, um, because I had incredible role models with my father, my grandfather, my brothers, my girlfriends who I played sports with. Um, their moms adopted me. Um, so I was really lucky um, that even, even though, so as I, you know, got through high school, I'd gotten accepted to some other schools. Um, but a family friend actually convinced me to go to Santa Clara University, um, which was really one of the most formative experiences of my life, right? So there um, I earned a combined sciences degree, which just means, you know, everything in sciences. Um, and I got to really experience for the first time um, just that having a champion, like, like, like you know, that senior male champion uh, who was my academic advisor, um, the late Dr. John Drahman, um, who, who was also the chair of the physics department. Um, so while I was there, I also worked full-time. I wrote a varsity crew. But it, I really became a lot of who I am there, right? And I'm, so I'm still um, involved with the school. I serve on the Board of Fellows. And I'm advising. Um, we have <clears throat> groundbreaking 
um, corporate board readiness programs focused on black women and Latino directors, right? So in my early career, um, I said so I'd worked my way through school on the sales floor and then as a manager at Nordstrom. And then I continued working uh, for a couple years at Nordstrom after college. So when you're young, it's like an amazing opportunity, right? They're paying you real money, you have benefits, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, so, and, I, I, and I loved fashion, so it was great for that, for, for that moment in time. But then I had the opportunity to work for Johnson & Johnson uh, in field sales and marketing, uh, working in over a dozen disease states. Um, I got to immediately enroll in the management development program, which was incredible. Um, serve as a national sales trainer. Um, and then the training investment that Johnson & Johnson puts into people is just nothing short of stunning, right? So I got to spend about a decade there. Um, but at some point, you know, I grew up in California. I love California. <laughs> you probably can see that from my Facebook post, yes. right? Um, so and, and I, I had a chance to visit New Jersey multiple times, um, but I could never... I could never leave my heart in New Jersey. Um, and right. So I shifted gears um, knowing I was never going to go to headquarters, which is what you have to do to really rise in that kind of organization, right? Um, and then I started consulting um, practice because I, I'd seen, I did a short program through Stanford called Emerging Entrepreneurs through, through this multidisciplinary biodesign uh, program that they have. And I saw that there was actually a huge demand for people who understood how to work with physicians, who understood healthcare economics. And so I built a, a consulting a practice out of that. And one of the surgeons that I was collaborating with uh, asked me to meet um, with this um, young founder of, of a company called Metagram, who was at the time a medical student, Michael Chu. Uh, he had taken a leave of absence to start Metagram uh, in defiance of the pager he received on his clinical rotation. Because <laughs> that was like a 20-something-year-old. He had never seen one before and was like, I'm not using this. So, you know, the rest you can say is like history. So I was hired at Metagram to lead sales, uh, marketing, and fundraising. So initially, I focused on market research, getting first users and customers, hiring our first salespeople, getting investment money. Um, and the prior consulting practice that I was hired in from um, centered around physician acceptance uh, and product economic feasibility. And when I surveyed physicians on the need for secure mobile communications uh, that, that's reliable, I had never seen such an overwhelming response to this need. Um, so then when the founder decided to go back to finish medical school, um, the Metagram board promoted me to the CEO role. Um, so, uh, you know, I also have a regular life outside of the work that I do. Um, and as you, you know, I'm married to Dr. Art Deville for over 11 years, who is a neurologist um, and, and, and super experienced hospital executive um, just an incredible man of exceptional character and extraordinary intelligence and a huge ally, you know, to me in my career. Um, so I'm lucky, um, you know, him and then I, I have a lot of other mentors as well. Um, so amongst the most impactful has been Wimbrel Lance, uh, who is uh, one of those um, quiet legends of Silicon Valley. He was CEO of Meritus of a chip company called Xilinx, chair Emeritus of, 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 of a company called Applied Materials, um, and also a trustee at Santa Clara. Um, but Wim has trained 35 CEOs in the U.S., Europe, and wow. Asia. Um, and he and his wife, Maria, actually are the ones that got me reconnected and re-involved with SCU because I wasn't really that involved with it after I'd gone off to work and gotten away from college and such. You know, being, a, you know, being the good booster he is is a true thing. Right. Um, so I've been um, CEO at Metagram uh, for a little over six and a half years. Um, an incredible journey. Um, We've built an exceptional team across medicine, IT, security, engineering, product, product marketing, the revenue function, and human capital. 
um, I really had to grow into this role, Ed, um, and, and I'm going to have to keep growing. Um, <laughs> I, I even took programming and AI, um, you know, coding in R classes. Um, I managed our servers at one point. Um, and so it was interesting early how I had to really lean into um, and, and leverage my STEM education. Um, but as you know, um, the STEM part is just one aspect. Um, and so more recently, I've been super focused on culture, uh, driving teamwork. Um, and as you know, it, it's one thing to have the best players assembled on the field, right? But it's a wholly different thing to get them to play exceptional basketball, you know, with the rapid passing True. Or, or, the, or the delightful orchestra music. Um, so what makes the Metagram team unique, uh, apart from the extraordinary talent, is that we have a really strong culture focused on constant learning, developing the whole person, and collaborating to drive constant upskilling. So my team characterizes me as passionate, connected, and relentless in our mission to save lives. So at, at Metagram, our, what we do is develop leaders, develop the teams to master change because we have to change workflow clinical workflow. So, and, and we don't just talk about those things. We've built a system around it and we have four sets of partners that we've been working with between one and a half to five years. And they each support various things like understanding the market and continuous shifts, um, sharpening technical skills through technical standards work, assessing individuals and teams for optimal team design, and then communications and leadership coaching. And so, and, and one of my favorites is that we have a challenge series session every week where the team is invited to pick apart and improve something, you know, that I'm working on. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly honored um, to be working with this amazingly talented team and our board. Um, so the latter I spoke to you about the last time we met, which is essential in, in medical technology, right? Because this space is hard, right? Hard, <laughs> you know, not just technically, but also hard in terms of implementation. Um, so two of the things that the board encouraged us to do um, that has had a huge impact is number one, define our values together, uh, including trust, respect, and innovation, while to challenging us to live those values um, and not just say them or write them on a wall or something like that. And then right, number two, right. yeah, one of my board members, Zilan Lee, uh, was the only female technical fellow, which is the highest technical track position at Texas Instruments. And she coached me to really focus on our ecosystem, uh, which is really an underlying foundation for our book work together. So we, we, we have truly brilliant board members, both in finance, um, but two of them have deep engineering chops with like a real understanding of what it takes to design, build, and deliver precise mission critical technologies, as well as implementation of solutions and systems. So I consider myself I mean, I was a homeless orphan, right? And so now I'm one of the luckiest people in the world to get to do what I do working with the people I get to learn with and from. And, and as you know, healthcare IT is not a short-term game. <laughs> and, we're in, and so we're just getting started. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I've been here for a little while, but we're just getting started, right? So and, and another, um, you know, thing is, is just, um, I, I just have a lot of um, thoughts about, leadership and, and, and transformational leadership. Um, and I, I aspire, you know, to be at your level where you're somebody who really sees, um, you know, the best in people. And, and that's, that's pretty much my story. Yeah, no, that's, it's a fascinating story. And I'm so, you know, honored to be your friend and your, your colleague. And, and even in, in the, your story, there's probably three to five, if not more, key takeaways that, leaders can learn from on the things that you said. I do want to jump into your book, though, So, because today 
October 27th, your book on mobile medicine is released. And before I forget it, I just want the, our audience to know that we're going to do a formal book launch with you on our webinar series, Digital Voices, on November 1st. So look out for more information on that. So if you want to be part of that, certainly you can register for that. It'll be a live. We'd love to do live webinars. And it'll be sort of that formal launch. But today, the book comes out. So you wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, so when when the pandemic hit, uh, we, we ha- happened to coincide with this great opportunity. And, and I have to thank you for being not just a friend, but an incredible sponsor, because you really allowed uh, for this to happen, this opportunity to happen. Um, and, and so what we wanted to do is bring forth a lot of the lessons uh, we've learned firsthand uh, building in the space, um, as well as from the coaches that we've had a, a chance to benefit from who are doing the hard work of building engineering, IT, security, and informatics functions in health systems, you know, academia, uh, and the medical device industry. So um, we, we just thought it would be a great way to build community and invite all the advisors, coaches, and mentors that we admire the most to turn it really into a shared learning and, and delivery experience. So we have 27 contributors. Um, and thank you again for your forward, which was a very kind and generous. Um, we have over 200 collective years of experience in medicine, IT, informatics, and security and healthcare. These are all things that are required to make mobile medicine work. Um, so, you know, including some friends in common, um, like Mitch Parker, uh, Lucia Savage, you know, our Metagram CTO, um, Eric Svetkoff, product yeah. advisor, Jeff Bargman, product marketing advisor, Allison Taylor, my communications coach, Anthony Lee, whose foundational work, he's one of those four pillars, you know, the system that I was talking about in terms of developing people. Um, so we've been working with him for five years, which, you know, really made it possible. Um, and a bunch of other talented contributors like physician leaders, uh, my better half, Art, um, our friend, Dr. Brian McBeth. Um, but we also partnered up with some brilliant outsiders that have a lot to offer the healthcare industry. So we were able to recruit some IT leadership researchers um, to, to, to bring forth um, original primary research. They've done a ton of research before, but they brought original research to the book from USC and MIT um, and other contributors, you know, along those lines, like Karen John Masson, who's an organizational psychology and culture expert. Um, and as you know, we met biweekly over the course of the time we took to produce the manuscript. And, and I just have to, you know, recognize that beyond contributors, um, Mike Ng from Metagram Operations also really organized. As you know, there is a ton of details. Yes. That's <laughs> that. <laughs> full product of the manuscript over the line. And so we were really lucky just to have the team effort around that. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And the book, right, is already number one on the, what list? I know there's several lists, but I think you can pre-order and you're already number one. Oh, that's very kind. Yeah, it's a number one on uh, Amazon for the categories of medical technology and medical informatics for new releases. It's, it's fairly consistent. It's it, this is a, one of those rank, rankings that changes every hour, but it's yeah. been fairly consistent since it came out. So thank you. So it's coming out today. Is the big day? Amazon probably the easiest place to get it. Any other places? Oh well, we have to recommend our publisher. Routledge, routledge.com, but, but it's really available. I, I, I'm not sure if your listeners are international, but it's available in most countries, most places books are sold, you know, certainly online, right? Yeah, so the buzz, the months preceding today, t- 
to the release has just been amazing and, and a lot of early wins, if you will, in terms of being ranked number one. So congratulations on that. So Sherry, that's awesome how the approach you took, you took the 27 of thought leaders, very or not just thought leaders, but practical leaders who do this, are passionate about mobile medicine. So you, you maybe touched on it a little bit, but what, why? What was the why behind the book? Why, why bring all these contributors together and why write yeah, the book? Thank, thank you. Yeah, so I wanted to rapidly enable strategic clarity and teamwork for people that I care about who are health system leaders or, or leaders in medical device companies who really want to make progress in mobile medicine but need to really clarify and establish a strategy, right? So the challenges are miscommunications cost 1.75 million per hospital, according to the Ponymon Institute. And we also lose someone every nine minutes because of a delay in information, according to the esteemed Institute for Healthcare Improvement. So solving this problem is really, really hard. It's not just a technical problem because cell phones, as you know, and mobile applications don't work a lot of the time for doctors whether it's hospitals or clinics, you know, with the connectivity, there's lots of reasons for that. And I've got lots of nerdy material for people who are really interested in digging into that. Um, But once you solve the technical problems, that's only like a tiny fraction (laughs) of solving for the health system or the enterprise. You have to build in privacy, build in security, build in compliance, implement it. You have to have the right people at the table with the governance. And it's not something that as a vendor that we can do to a health system. It's something we would have to work with and collaborate as a team with the customer. Um, And so what what I'm super excited about is it looks like we're going to be able to impact medical education, privacy law education, and and this is on top of the cybersecurity education that we already do. But but really the the whole goal of it is just to reduce misalignment. I mean, in, in health systems as well as healthcare enterprises like medical device companies today, if you took five people in the executive team and you ask them to list their requirements and priorities, they're all going to be completely different. And they need to to understand their own priorities and also understand what that other um, teammate um, has to care about, right? And that's what why, why we wrote this book. No, it definitely fills a gap that no one's really touched before. Why do you think publishing, specifically a long form such as a book, is critical in medical technology? Yeah, thank you. So, so it, it's critical, I think, because um, it's all about collaborating, multidisciplinary collaborations. And and the thing is that like books are something that you can touch. And in fact, there there is literature that shows that, that specifically for informatics, that books are the preferred type of publication over papers. Like where with some sciences, it's really the papers. Um, so I, I think that books really provide important reference points. Like I, I would hope that our readers would start book clubs with each other, just informally with their buddies who are, you know, buddy CMO with the buddy CIO, you know, or, or buddy CISO, um, you know, with the buddy um, head of informatics, you know, and, and, and I'm hoping that they're able to really um, rapidly develop shared mental models so that they can really define these discussions and get moving and get not just with, uh, mobile medicine and Metagram, but any of the advanced technologies like AI um, and data, they're all plagued by these challenges of, of strategic, um, you know, and, and implementation. You know, Sherry, you've contributed to other books, but this is your first book that you've edited in its entirety. What is the biggest lesson you learned about book publishing, both in general and also relative to, to your role as 
a MedTech CEO. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so, I, so I think what's interesting is the reason why um, digital in general struggles in healthcare um, and why I'm so thrilled to, to be getting traction with medical education is that it, it lacks legitimacy, right? Which is, you know, it's, it's an industry that's all about evidence, you know, um, legitimate, legitimacy, verification. Um, and so that is one important role um, that publishers have to, have to play, right? Because anytime there's a challenge with trust, or people um, accepting things, it comes down to sort of like, where's the evidence? And there's sort of no higher form than evidence um, than, than a, a certain type of publisher. So different publishers for different things, right? You have a book with Taylor and Francis, you know, digital, um, trans, healthcare digital transformation, as well as, as, well as um, voices of innovation. And, and for your audiences at the time, um, just like mobile medicine being healthcare executives and physicians, that is exactly the right publisher, Taylor and Francis, because as the top academic book publisher, that is a highly credible um, you know, venue for them to be considering new information. Whereas now, I think you and Chris Ross are working on a fantastic book. You're hoping to reach more patients, right, and more of the general audience. And right. that is a totally different that's a totally different aim, and it would probably be, um, you know, with all due respect to Taylor Francis, that would probably be a totally different skill set with a totally different publisher with a totally different different aim. So I, I think what I've learned is, you know, and not just books, but also whether it's papers or blogs, you know, um, really interesting article from Andreessen Horowitz recently talking about thought leadership and just how how different people in different communities you know, rate the veracity of thought leadership. And that's really one of our modern challenges is like, how do we reach the people that we need to reach in a credible way? And it's different for lots of different audiences. And that, that's the lesson. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That's important. And I, and I, you know, it resonates with me, the logic behind what you shared. What are two or three key takeaways in the book that might inspire someone right now October 27th to go out on Amazon or Taylor and Francis to order this book. What, what's made, I know you don't want to give away the whole thesis of the book, although you've touched on it a little bit already, but what are two or three other things that might really resonate with the audience? Yeah, yeah so just to reiterate, it's the ultimate guide, I think, for understanding your cross-functional teammates, their priorities and work pressures, right? It's like the ultimate empathy guide, right? So if you're a CIO, quickly understand what the physician leaders are struggling with. At the same time, physician leaders can understand what a top CISO is working to do to secure the device, application, and environment. And in fact, um, the physician leaders that were reviewing the book were already like, wow, we didn't understand the whole um, you know, electronic medical record, you know, adoption maturity model. And that was really helpful for them because they just didn't understand why IT was doing things and the sequence they were doing or about the priorities, right? And so helping um, them to learn about each other's priorities. Um, and so what, what we intended it to be is like a rich resource for actionable tips to really enhance communication, teaming, and leadership really in any environment um, and, 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 and one of the one of the gems is really the evidence-based practices that the IT leadership researchers put forth, um, because evidence is really necessary for physicians. So you can't do any of this without physicians. And I'm not saying that they're, you know, that they're in, in charge of it. I'm saying that they're, a, you know, an important collaborator that you team with, right? And understanding how to reach them in an IT context is essential, as you know. Yes. <laughs> no, that that's great. So. 
I agree with you in terms of, you know, we talked a little bit about the target audience. It really is everyone in the executive suite, definitely the CIOs, CISOs, the physicians, uh, the, the medical, all of the medical staff, nursing. It really is this ultimate guide, as you put it, that can help individuals and organizations understand the importance of, of uh, mobile medicine and what it can do to ultimately save lives. And I, I love the fact that it's so steeped in research and statistics. It, it makes for a very credible book, like you said, just from the publisher itself. And the way that you've gone about it with gathering 27 of the, some of the brightest minds in healthcare today, but taking it beyond that, like you said, you talked to a lot of other, you had like focus groups with other physicians and such, and really testing this all out. So I can't, I can't give more of a higher recommendation than I know how to give, except to say, go out right now as you're listening to this and buy this book. And that's certainly not the reason why we have you as our guest today, Sherry. It's really Aww. about your, your leadership in general. You're, you've got a great story that you shared. You, you have incredible insights. If people want to know more about you, where do they go? Where, where, they, where can they connect with you? Uh, so they could take advantage like of, of a lot of like Sundays. I love uh, what you put out on LinkedIn on Sundays in terms of, you know, uh, educating me. So how can they connect with you? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I, I can be found on metagram.com and, and also LinkedIn. Uh, just my search my name, S-H-E-R-R-I, last thing D-O-U-B-I-L-L-E. And also at Sherry Duville on Twitter. So I'm, I'm there. Try, you know, try to be consistent you know, on those platforms. Yeah. So you are this renaissance leader, as I mentioned. What's next for you and the Metagram team? Uh, you know, Ed, I am so honored that you said that. <laughs> but I have never heard of that before, and I had to go and look it up. <laughs> and it was like it's such an honor to understand what it even meant. Um, so, you know, for, for, for me and the team, it's really my uh, drive to continue to build like a once in a generation company to solve um, the problem of a leading cause of death being a delay in communication, right? So our drive is to save hundreds of thousands of lives, delay disability for millions more and help health systems be more successful while constantly evolving our you know, company environment so that we can build incredible careers and legacies. And, and that's what I look forward to doing. I love it. Sherry, thank you for being our guest. Again, as a reminder to our audience, today is the day, October 27th. Sherry's book is out. So wherever you like to get your books, I highly recommend making this purchase. And I love the concept Sherry mentioned in terms of book buddies. And I did that a lot in my, and I still do it today in the organizations where I serve. Is like, let's pick some books and let's study them together talk about the key takeaways and do we make any changes in our organization as a result. And this one is key because Sherry, absolutely right. The, the amount of hurt that happens to patients in our facilities that could be avoided with better mobile medicine, with better processes, with better tech, with better cultural understanding, there's a huge opportunity. And this book, is that ultimate guide that helps to address it. Additionally, just a reminder on November 1st, look up Digital Voices. There'll be information out on LinkedIn as well as Sherry's LinkedIn and my LinkedIn profile and other places to join us for the official book launch. And we'll have a live webinar and we'll take audience questions during that time. So Sherry, again, 
Thank you. I'll leave you with any last words. Oh, oh, thank you. Well, I, I, I wanted to just reemphasize the impact of mentors. Uh, and if I can, I wanted to tell you, you know, about another one and, and what I hope people um, get out of it. So I, I had a chance to connect uh, with a distinguished technical fellow at Medtronic, uh, William Harding, um, about 18 months ago um, and collaborate with him through an existing mentor, a CISO uh, that you and I both respect and know. Um, so William uh, referred to me in a meeting um, as a transformative leader, and I also didn't know what that was. And I also had to go and look that up. <laughs> um, and I have a lot of thoughts about that. And the, the thing is, it's not a, a silver bullet. It actually brings a lot more responsibility um, and challenge. You You have to have exceptional operational management and execution and exceptional um, project management. And it's not something you can do by yourself, right? You have to have the right team for that. Um, but what a gift it is. Um, to have someone um, see that and be willing to say that about you. Um, but you also have to live up to it, right? Right. Um, so now I have to work up, you know, to living up to that label of transformational. Now this label of renaissance, which I also didn't know about. I have, that's another thing that I've got <laughs> to live up to. But what worthwhile challenges uh, it, 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 they really are to live up to those things. But but I seriously, I aspire um, to be to your level, really, where I can help people see um, what they can be. We really need more of that in this industry. I mean, there's so much we can do that needs to be done right now. And I think that um, some people re refer to the concept as like being a multiplier as opposed to being a diminisher. And what does that really mean? Um, you know, building people, making them better instead of like yeah. pushing them down. And that's really, you know, the aspiration. And that's what we have to do, right? To drive results and scale through being the best multipliers we can, um, who are also transformational and now who are also, you know, renaissance. But I want to challenge and 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 encourage everybody. I want to hear from people who, who have, you know, had great experiences doing this. Commit to being a transformational renaissance leader. You know, commit to building other leaders and tell us what you achieved by doing that. We have to do that. Our health system needs that. <laughs> and we need to do that right now, right? I agree. So if you want to hear more, I know I do, November 1st, and I'll say the year for those who might be listening to this uh, a year or two years from now, 2021. So November 1st, interact directly with Sherry. Love to have you. Thanks again, Sherry, for being our guest. Thank you so much. It was my honor and pleasure, Ed. And thank you, Sydney. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks.